Hey, burning tarot peeps, it's T. I'm starting our nature walk today while I'm walking along a little road because I just saw the cutest little wild cottontail rabbit in someone's driveway. Now, I've been living here in Central Oregon for seven and a half years now. It's a while. And up until this year, I almost never saw rabbits at all. And then this year... They're just so cute. Hi, cutie. And seemingly unafraid. It's a little brownish gray bunny. Oh my gosh, so cute. And then one time when my son was little, he and his friend saw what they, or the friend said, look, it's a jackrabbit. And it was a big jackrabbit bouncing through the high grasses. Well, we quickly realized it was actually a very small fawn. A little baby deer. All spotted. That was, you know, pretty new to this world and leaping about. If you are new to burning tarot, you're going, what are we talking about? Jackrabbit, deer, what is this? Yeah, it's me blathering. I'm T, Tiffany Lee Brown, and I've been reading tarot for, I don't know when to start the clock on that one, probably since 1989, and doing it more seriously and more professionally starting in the early 90s. So that's a while back, and now I do this podcast burning tarot where we take a little nature walk we do a little chit chat we pull a card and we contemplate that card and I like to point out nowadays uh, because there are a few people who are learning the cards and learning how to read tarot and yes I am fine with pronouncing it tarot or tarot or tarot or you know whatever pick your pronunciation anyway So some people are using this podcast as part of their education in learning how to read the cards. So in every episode, I now like to point out that what I'm doing here is not presenting the ultimate meaning of the card that we draw that day. I'm actually giving a real reading. So we could pull the same card in like five different podcasts. And I'm sure we've done that with a couple of them like the sun or, you know, ones that come up a lot. Uh, And each time I'm going to have a different take on it. Or maybe it'll be similar or the same. I don't know. But that's just an important thing to note, that if you're getting a real reading, it won't always be the same. And that's not to say that one reading is correct and the other one is not. It's just saying that your human reader is part of the divinatory process. Sometimes we do that ourselves. We read for ourselves. Um, But usually things get a lot juicier when we are able to have an outside reader, another human being, come in and be with the cards, be with the planets, or tap into whatever the oracle is of that moment or that system of divination. And so the podcast is a nice way for our little handful of Burning Tarot listeners to take a walk together 
out here in Deschutes National Forest in Central Oregon and uh, do some card wrangling. Okay, we're going through this red gate now. It's very red. I am very, well, I'm very bright because it's hunting season. So I am wearing this, uh, I'm wearing orange pants just because I was already wearing orange pants. And I'm wearing my screaming raspberry colored sneakers. Um, my sister's coffee sweatshirt, not very bright. But over that, ta-da, it's one of those like, um, you know, construction people working on the roadside. They kind of wear a penny, like a vest thing that's like hideous, screaming, almost chartreuse bright yellow with some reflective bits and then like screaming neon orange piping. And it looks like it's probably made for a very, very large man. And I'm a very, very short woman slash non-binary person. So it's a hilarious outfit. <clears throat> but, and then I have a little red hat on top of my little gray hat I was already wearing. The hope is that this season I won't have some jackass shoot at me in the woods when I go off trail because I go off trail. And you're thinking, oh no, people don't really do that, do they? Just randomly pick up semi-automatic weaponry and start blasting into the woods and no, they're not really hunting deer. But yes, they do that. So if they get me, if they should mow me down, there will be no question when the case comes to court as to who was at fault. It was not me, the little short plump tarot reader <laughs> wearing her raspberry shoes and her orange pants and her screaming neon safety vest thingy. All right, that's not very like, that's not really, you know, you're, you're going like, wait, shouldn't you be like all drifty and mellow and woo-woo and like talk like a meditation teacher, yoga leader? Uh, sometimes I do that, but you guys, you, that's not really my gig. Um, I'm very involved with earth and reality, or, or at least I try to be. And that's part of what I bring to tarot practice is a recognition that sometimes when we're being, being all out there in the air and being all like groovy and calm and new agey, we, we lose something. We lose something of the reality of earth-based living, which is full of soil and guns and death and life and love and blood and excellent loaves of bread and zebras, you know, just all the things. So I like to uh, consider that materiality. And when I come out here to this woods in all of its beauty, you know, I don't want to just just look at the beauty. I want to be strong enough to look at some of the, the more troubling aspects of what we find in our woods. Our woods that are kind of a tree farm for the forest service. But they're also woods. They're a real forest. So we, we run up into all these contradictions when we're taking a walk with the burning tarot and with me, T. And uh, I try not to shy away from them. I try to do 
the work. Thank you to all of you who join me in that work, especially those who reach out to me and send me email, burningtarot at gmail.com, and tell me how the readings are working for you, how they're relating to your lives. I do appreciate that. And I appreciate those who've been buying readings. There is still a wait list on the astrological readings, but the tarot readings are going fast. Uh, so tiffanyleebrown.com if you want to buy one of those. And um, thanks to the donors who donated to the fundraising effort earlier this year. That brought a smile to my face and enabled me to enroll in some cool astrology classes and get through kind of a rough time where I was helping out family with health issues and I couldn't work. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, you're like, where's the card, dude? Here's the card, dude. We are using Cat Black's Golden Tarot deck today, my friends, as we so often do here on Burning Tarot. It is golden and pretty and lovely. And that's Cat with a K, not with a C. Uh, The Hierophant card, which is number five in the Major Arcana, is the card we have drawn today. I'm going to pause for one moment. Okay, okay, I'm back. Um, Yeah, we're walking down this lovely road with the Hierophant from the Golden Tarot. So, the Hierophant, or Hierophant, or the Pope, as he is known in some decks, or the High Priest in others. He occupies the position number five in the Major Arcana a.k.a. the Trump cards. And for reasons I won't go into, the people who used to call them the Trumps are now often calling them the Major Arcana. Anyway, that's the group of cards at the beginning of the deck. It's a 78-card deck if you're using like a typical traditional tarot thing deck. Uh, And so those first uh, 22 cards are are special. They're big. And when we draw from the major arcana, it usually suggests like, hey, take a look at this card. Particularly if you've gotten a reading, like say a three-card reading or a full Celtic cross. If you've got a bunch of little pips or minor arcana, so those are cards like the, you know, the three of cups or the four of wands. And then you get one of these big suckers as major arcana. This one's going to hold more weight. You'll want to pay it more attention. And in a single card draw like we're doing out here in the forest, uh, it's the only thing we have to look at. And the weightiness that comes with the card suggests that we're at a moment of there's going to be something maybe heavy or big or noticeable, and it might feel faded. Uh, The major arcana can also come to us when we are dealing with issues that that concern more than ourselves, where the earth itself or our communities, our countries, our planet are really, you know, something big is happening on that larger scale. And when we draw it, our little group, our little handful of Burning Tarot listeners, or an individual in a reading, 
you know, it's like this big stuff affects us, affects our little personal individual selves, maybe apparently individual selves, right? There's certainly some question as to whether we're really individuals at all, or if we're all just so interconnected and part of the universe together that, that this uh, separateness deal that we do here in these bodies with these egos, maybe that's the illusion. But hey, who has time to philosophize about all those crazy things? I don't know. Gotta get us back on track here. Hierophant, Pope, number five. Beautiful day, by the way. The rain has cleared, everything smells lovely. Blue sky, little puffy white clouds. We have very green pine needles on the trees and very amber pine needles on the ground. The ponderosas have beautiful orangey bark. Some of them are more like blackened bark. And they're just kind of shaking themselves off after a couple of days of rain. And we're right here on the edge of the high desert, so rain's a big deal here. Smells wonderful. And um, yeah, I'll let you know what kind of interesting sights we're passing along the way, too. So, first, let's talk about the fiveness of this card. What does a five mean? All right, if you talk to very esoteric numerologists, you know, they're going to have a story for you about what the five means. And then there's me. I'm not real mathy, like at all. And numerology's fun, but I don't find it. I don't know. I'm not a numbers person. That's not my deal. You should see my spreadsheets. I'm like rolling my eyes. Like, do I really have to fill this thing out? So, um, yeah. So when I talk about a number, it's going to be from the point of view of one who doesn't have that uh, beautiful math brain or beautiful numerology brain that some of you probably possess. So what do I think of the five? Well, from a tarot perspective, it's an interesting number because in our minor arcana, so those little cards that we're more likely to be dealing with because there's more of them, right? The four suits, each of them has cards numbered one through ten and plus some royal royalty cards as well. Uh, just like a playing card deck. So when you're in that cycle, like let's say it's cups, and you're going through a cups cycle, ace, which is the one, through ten. And there are certain parts of that story that we are likely to feel within our cups selves. Cups correspond to the element of water, and there's a lot of emotion and intuition rolled into water and cups, to name a few things. So when we hit the five, the five of cups, five of wands, five of swords, five of pentacles, um, it's like a, it's right in the middle of that road of trying to get from ace, which is usually a happy good card, to ten which in a couple of the suits is a happy, happy, happy good card, and in a couple of the suits is a shitty, shitty shit card. So whatever, you're on this path, and you hit the five, and it's, you know, it's either a massive pothole in the road, or a car wreck. 
It's not fun. Those journeys, those individual journeys we take with those smaller cards representing the elements and the parts of ourselves that groove with the elements of our planet. You know, you hit the five and things are kind of messed up. There is conflict. There is division. There's difficulty. There's blockage. There's poverty, etc. You know, it's kind of not fun. The only good thing about it is that once you've done that, it's kind of like hitting bottom when you're like an alcoholic or whatever. You're like, oh, hey, look at that. I hit bottom. And, and it forces you to, <laughs> to keep going and drag yourself out of the mire and take yourself along, get yourself to the six, seven, eight, nine, ten, right? Like you can't keep going on the path without hitting some difficult spots. But in most number lore that I'm aware of, the five is actually a super powerful card. Or I'm sorry, a super powerful number. Five is a, it's a power card. It's a power number. And I think this Hierophant, which is card five in the Major Arcana, is speaking that language rather than the fives of the minor suits. So five is solid. Think about in the United States here, we have the Pentagon, this giant five-sided building. And that's where, you know, arguably the world's most expensive (laughs) and powerful array of uh, national defense occurs. Like, that's headquarters. A giant freaking pentagon. And of course, in your witchy lore, you'll be familiar with the pentacle. Five-sided star. And so, whatever. There's lots of five stuff out there. But strength is part of what it speaks to. Uh, Magic number 23 break that down numerologically what do you get five 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 it's all over the place um and you know how many digits does the average person have on one of their hands or feet also cinco cinq five hierophant has to do with power and specifically with how power meets knowledge. In this depiction, in the cat black version of the Golden Tarot, we have kind of a shifty looking Pope dude here. He's wearing his little Popey hat. His eyes are looking over to the side. He looks kind of shifty eyed. He's wearing his robes. He has uh, two keys dangling from a medallion on his torso. He is wearing a fancy ring that we can all bend down and kiss. And he's carrying a very groovy papal staff thingy. I'm sure it has a proper name. I don't know what it is. And as is typical for a Hierophant card, we see uh, two pillars in the background. In this particular version, they are nicely carved 
I used to know the names of those. In college, I took an art history class. I had to know, like, Doric, Ionic, Columns. I don't remember any of it now. Fancy. I know that word. Fancy Columns. And behind him, there's, uh, you know, a churchy-looking sort of a cupola, archway. Boy, I've forgotten all the the, um, architectural terms. Whatever. Fancy high-ceiling stuff back there. There is a nun to one side and a monk to the other. He, I mean, he's the Pope, right? So he's heading up a machine that's a lot more powerful than he is as an individual. He is receiving the dogma, the doctrine of the church. And he is responsible for dispensing this knowledge carefully to other people through, you know, a phalanx of priests and cardinals and, you know, all those guys. He holds the keys. He holds the keys to knowledge and doctrine. Some would say he holds the keys to the secret inner doctrine. The outer part that everybody can experience in this kind of medieval um, tarot scenario, medieval, renaissance you know, presumably all these people are going to the cathedrals or their little chapel and they're hearing their parish priest uh, or the freaking bishop of whatever, you know, deliver a sermon and it's in Latin and the the architecture is amazing and the cathedral and you see God and the beautiful voices are singing, you know, so kind of running that rodeo, that, that crazy carnival is this figurehead at the top. But sometimes the figurehead at the top of something, you know, their own beliefs and their levels of knowledge are a little different from what the peasants think when they go into the church. That leader, that knowledge keeper, that teacher, knows how the frickin' sausage is made. And whether they retain their position just in order to keep power, or because they see that this knowledge can help people despite the inadequacies of the system, despite the hypocrisies that invariably come whenever groups of humans try to do something, you know, they might just stick around, these hierophant types. So that's certainly what this one has done. But they may have a small group of people that they can communicate with about the deeper levels of knowledge or the inner truths or even being initiated into a whole separate cult. So some argue that this card for modern times should be read that way. Like this is the card of granting access, getting access to some kind of esoteric information that has been denied to you previously. That's a perfectly okay interpretation. If you like the sound of that, you know, keep your eyes peeled. 
in the next week or so. Look for new sources of knowledge and check them out, please. You know, there is so much insane, (laughs) ridiculous, paranoid bullshit on the internet. Much of it wrapped up in woo-woo, in witchery, um, in astrology, in far more esoteric stuff than all of that. Uh, so, you know, if it's like a YouTube rabbit hole, you know, you don't need that. You're smarter than that. So heads up. So you want to be aware of the possibility for having more information and a new perspective and maybe an enjoyable brief rabbit hole that you could dive down. Maybe you discover some book. It could be a recurrence. It could be a book that was meaningful to you when you were 19. And now you read it again and it refers to various spiritual or and or esoteric matters that really resonate with you now, or now you understand them differently. So enjoy that if it comes your way. But um, when the Hierophant is around, you know, don't put yourself under anybody's thumb. Uh, That's kind of the tricky part of this card. Like how much power do you want to give to some guy in a hat? Uh, How much of your own knowledge and power do you want to reveal or give away? That's something we all have to deal with. I tend to be in the camp of give it all away. Sure, whatever. It's a free podcast. Have a nice day. Um, Sometimes that probably does not serve me well. But, uh, But I get to share a lot with a lot of people. And I happen to enjoy that. And I'm a writer. We talk too much. We write too much. We reveal. So it goes. But everybody's got their own little dance they have to do with the sharing of information, the joining of a cult or the creation of one, you know? And I don't mean like a literal cult. Hopefully none of you guys are like pulling a Bagua and Sri Rajneesh out there, driving your, you know, multiple Rolls Royces up to your (laughs) your city that you've taken over in the middle of Oregon. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you should totally look it up. There was a Netflix documentary a couple years ago about it, too. Rajneesh Piram. Uh, So that was happening when I was a kid in Oregon. Anywho, so the Hierophant can hold power over the kind of mainstream religion and mainstream knowledge, mainstream information. He can also indicate, hey, there's a secret chamber and I've got the key. And we can go in there and read the secret book. So that's pretty cool. As long as we're doing it carefully, you know, uh, maybe we want that access right now. Um, Hierophant Pope Dude has lots of authority. This is masculine authority. Yeah, that's the gendered uh, way of looking at it. So he's been given power, you know, as men are when they are... Uh, born males at birth in this culture. And he's rocked it pretty hard. He's got all the way to Pope. You know, who's, who's more powerful than the kings? The Pope. And he's got this nun and this monk looking up to him, probably helping him. 
Um, I mentioned before, does, you know, the Hierophant knows how the sausage is made. So the Hierophant has to be careful not to believe too much of his own BS, but to be gentle with people who need the information to be, uh, you know, maybe more literal, less magical and metaphorical. I've had a couple of friends who were ministers friends and acquaintances who have told me, you know, I've gotten wonderful discussions about philosophical and religious matters. I'm thinking of two individuals in particular here. And they pretty strongly indicated that, that their beliefs and uh, what they discussed in seminary was very similar to the conversation that I was having with them. And I am an ex-Christian. I was a Christian as a child, very bitter about that whole religious experience for a long time, and now I'm kind of like feeling mellow about it. Uh, But it's definitely, you know, religion is not my jam. But to talk to these folks who are leading their flocks and to hear them say, well, this, you know, essentially, I don't know, spiritual, secular, deep conversation we were having was how they believed and how they thought. And when they looked at the Bible, they thought of it in a poetic fashion. And they could talk to others at seminary on those same level. But when it came to tending to their flock, the people who come to them, you know, in their whatever, small Oregon towns, those people want to hear about the Bible in a very literal way. And to think of it in a literal American Christianity way and to have that spirituality follow a familiar, comforting uh, liturgy. And that was really interesting to me. So when I see this hierophant... I think of those two ministers that I met on separate occasions. You know, their understanding of... They know that they're giving a kind of simplistic, watered-down version of spirituality and religion and certainly of the intellectual piece that goes into that um, to average everyday Americans. And yet they're not really being hypocrites. They just understand that there are layers. There's layers here. When we pull the hierophant, we're being invited to go deeper in the layers. We are being invited to examine authority. And sometimes when we draw this card, uh, authority comes for us. We don't really get to have the luxury of sitting around going like, hmm, I wonder who's the authority on this spiritual matter. Uh, It could just be like the cops show up or (laughs) whatever. You know, there could, could be some of that. Or your dad, you know, just general generic authority figure comes through this card and the card preceding it, which is number four, the emperor. But this is more specialized, you know. This really has to do with knowledge. The word, the book, the speech, the writing, the visions even. Often 
the Hierophant gets viewed as this authoritarian bureaucrat guy or this kind of, you know, over-the-top Elton John (laughs) Pope in a dress figure. And sometimes we forget that these centuries of ritual that lead up to this Pope, even if some of their beliefs are totally not in agreement with my beliefs, or like, like whatever, anti-homosexuality, anti-abortion, the frickin' crusades. It's not like I'm going to stand here and pretend that I think the Catholic Church is great. And that's, that's not even talking about what the priests have done, including to friends of mine. So, wow, you know, lots to not like about how that allegedly spiritual, super-duper powerful bureaucracy, you know, has wrought terrible things in the world. But there is also magic, there is beauty, there's comfort. There's a whole lot of lore, ritual, and tradition backing up the pomp and ceremony. When we pull this card, it can be tempting to say, well, there's too much authority. There's too much previously established knowledge and because of our, you know, kind of 20th century way of looking at everything, um, and maybe 21st century too, you know, hey, let's disrupt the traditions. Um, let's throw out all the old knowledge. Or like, let's be like so-called artificial intelligence, AI. Let's just, you know, consume all the past knowledge and turn it into garbage and spit it out into the world and call it art. So, you know, the hierophant can be difficult for especially Americans uh, because we're culturally ingrained to, to seek disruption, to valorize the individual over the collective, and to throw history in the garbage bin. Right? We're just, we're just that young upstart country. Well, in real life, actually, this version of America hasn't, you know, it hasn't been here very long. But still, once you start getting in your, like, 200, 250th birthdays territory, you've been doing this a while. You know, you shouldn't act juvenile and pretend you're a newborn baby. So our attitudes can be, I think... uh, we can overdo it. And this totally includes me, by the way. I was born on the West Coast, spent the bulk of my life in Oregon and California. You know, you just can't get any more individualistic than the American West, I don't think. <laughs> you know, and more in love with, um, you know, people here, you know, tearing up religion, tearing up established stuff doing shit your own way. That's the culture that I was raised in. But sometimes, you know, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And sometimes that accumulated history of knowledge and ritual have some basis. And when we have the Hierophant with us, we kind of have the opportunity to say, okay, I want to get the most out of tradition. I want to get the most out of history, and particularly out of knowledge. What knowledge can I look at 
and learn from. And maybe there's a secret key that unlocks for us in the next couple weeks as we take the time to absorb older, bigger forms of knowledge, as we pick up a big, heavy book, one made of paper, and turn its pages. That key, we may hear it clicking open the latch just in our own mind. It might be a group experience, though. And seeking knowledge, seeking knowledge, you know, it's fun. It lights us up. It gives us a brightness and a sparkle. And this is different from the kind of knowledge that we get, well, some of us do, you know, with our, like, NewYorkTimes.com addiction. Not speaking of anyone in particular here, of course. Um, Or whatever, you know, little snippet of possibly fake news that somebody we know posted on Facebook or put in their Instagram feed or whatever. You know, sure, that's a kind of knowledge. But if you're intentionally looking at or looking for more established, traditional, deeper types of knowledge, um, bigger conversations, it just resonates differently through our bodies and through our minds. So this card is really an invitation to take that kind of knowledge more seriously and to take it farther, further, farther, I'm an editor. I should know which word to use there. Take it further. Bring it on home. You can do this. uh, I mean, reading is just a wonderful way to do that. But if you have a practice that you partake in, and this could be kind of any kind of practice, could be directly spiritual, could be meditative, it could be religious, but it could also just be like, you know, you're a fly fisherman, or you're a softball player. You are a craftsperson, a writer, an artist. Whatever thing it is that you, whatever your jam is, someone out there has done it before, has learned a great deal, has perhaps attained some level of fame within your field. And what have they left for you to learn from? This would be a great time to go find out. And if you think you already know all this stuff, I tend to be like that. I'm like, yeah, I read that book. You know, if I think about it, I read that book when I was like 25. What the hell did I know when I was 25? That book might be totally different to me now. Actually, I knew quite a bit when I was 25, but... I definitely had a different perspective back then. So this, oh, here comes some serious wind, you guys. I don't have the wind cover with me. Let me try this thing. Hold on, hold on. This is tricky because I hurt my hand. Uh Uh-oh, I have this wrist and hand injury. Bummer. Okay, so we're gonna be wrapping up here. Literally, I've wrapped up the phone in a cloth and we're gonna wrap up our Nature Walk and Tarot Reading. I think the Hierophant is here to invite us to partake in that deeper knowledge and to tip our hat 
to those who have come before, or even those who currently sit in power or who are teachers. People who can turn a key for us. And we don't have to do it in a kind of dumb rabbit hole way. We can do it intelligently. We can do it with some calmness and some grace. It does take time. And in an increasingly distracted and fragmented society, time can feel difficult to come by. So deepening our relationship with something that's important to us simply takes time. In my case, that would be, uh, (laughs) I can set up a block. I use this app called Self-Control, ironically named app, um, to block me off of the New York Times site for five days so that I can, whatever, do something besides read the news, right? Um, So that would just be an example of someone deciding, okay, I'm going to do something deeper than that for these five days. I'm going to uh, pick up these old tarot books that I have, um, you know, that I've bought and, and some astrology books that I haven't really gone deeply into in a while. And I'll spend some time with them. And I'll come to them with that respect that I would show the Pope Not the sort of fawning, ring-kissing, ass-kissing level, but the, the knowledge, seeking the knowledge, understanding that other people have trod this path before I arrived, and to fail to learn from them can be a mistake, or a waste of time, or just a little bit disrespectful, you know? A lot of my uh, tarot readings, a lot of my life, are kind of the opposite of that. They're more like, run away from the orthodoxy, throw the books away, uh, because I get too involved in intellectual discussions. And sometimes that kind of shuts down my intuition. So for me, that's a consideration. Um, but the, the act of devotion that's required to say, you know, I want to learn more about this. This is worth my time. This is worth the sense of um, relaxation and calm, focus and concentration that I can achieve if I really sink in and learn from a master. Uh, And taking a class or something is not a bad idea either for this kind of scenario. You know, we're all looking for our inner hierophant, our own depths of knowledge, uh, our own inner authority. And we want to pass that information down to others in a good way, holding our own keys. But to replenish ourselves, you know, we have to step back and learn. We can't just be full of knowledge, full of new news, full of little sniblets and snippets of information and expect that to bring depth. So it's kind of like a combination of, I don't know, it's like meditative research. 
That might be a good phrase to use here. So I hope we all have a lovely time wrestling with our inner authority and perhaps outer ones too and learning. There's learning that comes with the Hierophant. It's not just secret information locked away. It's knowledge and learning that want to come out and play. And we get to be part of that dynamic. All right, my dears, I will let you know that this forest is still quite beautiful, that the sun is going down. It's not sunset yet, but it's very evident as I walk towards the sun and it's shining in my face to the west. It's very evident that we are in fall. We are in autumn. And the sun is going to go down up here in the northern hemisphere. The sun is going down just a teeny bit earlier, a teeny bit earlier every evening. And this puts us on our course for rain and snow, for cold, dark, long nights, heading towards solstice. I hope you all had a wonderful equinox. I sure did. Walking the labyrinth with the labyrinth ladies and my menfolk. It was great. And I hope you enjoy wherever you are, whatever forest might be near you, whatever beach, whatever sidewalk, whatever bed. I hope you are able to enjoy the movement, the changing of the seasons. Much love to y'all. I'm T. This is Burning Tarot. Here comes the funny scrunchy noise. There you go.